If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I feel way less stressed going into this season than I did last year. We still had a lot of unknowns last year. We had a lot of guys that were still learning. A lot of guys that were question marks in our mind of how they were going to play. Uh, we have way fewer of those this year. For the most part, we have a team that's doing absolutely everything we ask them to do. That's competing on the practice field every day. Uh, their consistency through camp and how they've been practicing uh, leads me to believe that that's what I'm going to see come Saturday. You still never know, but I think last year I was a little apprehensive going into the start of the season. This year I'm excited. Guys are excited. Excited to go against another team. Uh, hit another player. Really excited to show the world, show the uni- uh, show the Nebraska fans the hard work that they've put in this summer and even fall camp. Man, we've had one of the best fall camps I've been a part of, and so excited to to uh, go on the field and, and let everybody know um, how good we we really can be. I think all of us realize we don't want the start that we had last year, and that that doesn't even something I don't even really think about right now in this moment because it was something that has been driving us all offseason. Um, no one wants to go back to that, and in my mind, we won't. I know a lot of guys on this team won't let that happen. That's why we're so excited for the start of this season. You know, we we get another chance um, to do things the right way. And welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. Guys, we made it. Game week is here. You heard from Scott Frost, Troy Walters, quarterback Adrian Martinez as they are getting us ready here uh, for this 11 a.m. ESPN game with South Alabama, a team coming into Lincoln at 3-9. and And I'll be honest, there's been very little to no talk about South Alabama and the Jaguars. I think everyone is just interested in seeing this team, seeing the improvements made and in, in the gains and things that have gone on here over the offseason. Yeah, I mean, this thing is all about Nebraska. I mean, the opponent is secondary, really, and there's a reason why they're 35.5, 36-point favorites going into this. So really uh, what Saturday is going to be is how far has Nebraska come from where we saw them not only a year ago, but from the end of last season. Uh, There's been so much talk about how much better this team is top to bottom across the board uh, in all aspects, both mentally and physically. Uh, And now it's time to prove it. Uh, You know, this is where all that belief and optimism uh, plays out and we get some tangible evidence about what this team actually is. And so uh, I think a lot of people are expecting this to get, um, you know, blow out in a hurry where you get your starters out of there and get some backups to play. And um, I think that's a realistic expectation if Nebraska is what they've been saying that they are. Yeah, it's totally a measuring stick game. And um, 
Yeah, it is kind of interesting, though. There's been, like, absolutely no talk about South Alabama. Obviously, they respect their opponent and, and whatnot, but, you know, this is this is a deal. It's, it's totally all about Nebraska and, and uh, you know, their I guess their growth. You know, what's is the hype warranted that, that the team is, has been receiving heading into the season? And, and uh, you know, what, what type of, uh, you know, what type of look are, are they going to have? Or have they corrected some of the issues that plagued them last year? Yeah, it's interesting just the perception of Nebraska, how it has changed a little bit nationally and regionally um, just amongst other people uh, because I felt like in the summer early on they were the sexy, trendy pick to win the division and then it almost like annoyed a lot of people that everybody was picking Nebraska. So now you're seeing people pick against Nebraska. Um, you saw the, the Rivals.com Big Ten publishers, so each site had one vote. Uh, amongst our Big Ten peers, Nebraska was picked seventh out of 14 in the conference. Um, so I just get the sense there's a big, all right, Nebraska, we've given you the benefit of the doubt the last eight years and nothing's happened. You still need to prove it before we call you the favorites. And I think Saturday is going to be really important for Nebraska to show people they're not messing around in 2019. Yeah, and I think that's fair. Uh, like you said, I mean, people have been waiting for Nebraska to be the, uh, you know, regular Big Ten contender and dominant team in this league since 2011, and it's never happened. Uh, and it's only gotten worse and worse as the years have gone on. And so until Nebraska actually goes out and proves they are capable of competing for a conference championship, realistically, uh, you're going to have doubters like that. And so uh, that good news is falls right in line with what Scott Frost and his staff have been preaching to these guys. You know, yes, it's, you know, on one hand, you want to build guys up and, uh, you know, get that confidence and, you know, belief going. But on the other hand, uh, you got to provide some humility and humble these guys a little bit and remind them that you've won eight games in two years. Uh, you are a four and eight team until you prove it otherwise on the field when it matters. You know, off seasons uh, mean nothing if you don't translate it uh, into the season. So, uh, you know, those doubters, I mean, they have every right to think that way. And again, I think that that's also part of the message that this staff has, has been teaching that uh, with all the hype and excitement around you guys, you haven't proven anything yet. And until you do, you're four and eight. Nate, and I will say this about Scott Frost. They've kind of tried to tone it down. I mean, he's done very little to no interviews um, nationally, locally this summer as far as the one-on-one -on -one type. Even like Big Red Wrap-Up, we have, you know, we, we've traditionally had the head coach on, um, you know, the first show of the year pre-taped, and, and we had the coordinators on just because Frost is being really careful. I think he knows, like, how good this team could be, but they don't want to come out and say too much and then, and then you know, everything not work out. Yeah, it's. I mean, and I understand that, and I understand both sides of the argument. Where the some people are hyping them up and saying, "Well, Nebraska could be back. This could be, um, you know, the Nebraska team that, that everyone's been waiting for for a very long time." And I can also see, you know, where where people are being kind of skeptical and, and waiting until Nebraska actually proves themselves. Um, but and and as far as Scott Frost goes. Yeah, that's exactly how I would play it. I wouldn't want to come out and, and proclaim that they're going to be the team to beat in the West, or or that they, you know that they're going to be um, you know kind of duplicating what they did in year two at, at UCF. And and you you know I noticed that as fall camp started, that was that was a common question. You know, how does this team kind of compare to year two at UCF? And and a lot of those questions you know were, were shot down by the coaches too, and saying that it was still different and that you couldn't you know completely compare the two but um you know I, I wouldn't be surprised if if uh this team's not um you know not going to be making a major stride forward and it's an 11 a.m kickoff and you know i know 
you, you don't like that traditionally. You like a night game. But a couple of things. Pending storms coming in. Nebraska practices in the morning. And honestly, I just think this is the kind of game that should be played at 11 a.m. I don't think you play South Alabama at 7 o'clock. It's not a night game, in my opinion. I mean, this is let's get this game in. Let's do what needs to be done. And then Husker fans can enjoy the rest of the day of college football. Hopefully, whatever storms are coming in will clear out. But it's going to be a cooler day. I mean, traditionally in openers, heat has played a factor. It's not going to play a factor in this game at all. No, as long as the the rain and uh, that ugly word lightning uh, stay out of the picture, which as of now is supposed to, uh, yeah, knock knock on that wood. Uh, you know, th- this should actually be fairly favorable. Um, you know, and I think more than anything, just getting this thing out of the way. Uh, this has been about as long of an off season. Just feels like where we've talked about literally everything there is to talk about, about this team and um, you know, all this potential. And so, you know, why not just get it done with as quickly as possible and, you know, get, get, get this thing rolling as opposed to drawing it out for a full day on Saturday, unnecessarily for a game against South Alabama, where, like I said, if things go the way they should, this one should be over by halftime. Well, and that's my question is, you know, what's, how should things go? Like what, what's going to be the outcome where you, you say, okay, well, yeah, that was, that was a good game or, you know, what's going to make you kind of, you know, clench your teeth and the offense has to roll. The offense has to roll early. And I'm talking about like touchdown on the first drive early. Like Adrian Martinez is one of the best quarterbacks in all of college football. And he has plenty of weapons around him. This is a defense defensive line that shouldn't, provide many problems for the offensive line so they should get on them early and not let up until it's time to pull the starter all right we'll hold that thought when we come back we are going to talk more about the offensive storylines to watch going into this game including on that offensive line Cameron Jurgens named the starter here going into week one so we'll break down all of that next and much more here as you're listening to the Husker online show You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We, we look a little different with Cam Jurgens back and full speed now, so we got to keep him healthy, but I, I think he's going to be a, a game changer for us on the inside of the line. Uh, Cam, uh, I, I look Cam. He's, he, he gives us a really good look. And he's not afraid to go, you know, he's a young guy, but he's not afraid to, you know, be the, be the, the voice of that O-line and uh, take over. And he's really strong. Uh, we're gonna need him, and you know he always gives a good look. Um, he's a, he he can he could block any of us, uh, I would say, and you know uh, he's just there. He he brings a, a a different mentality of you know I'm gonna get the job done when he's in there. So, and welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, as this segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with five locations in Omaha, one here in Lincoln. Get on into Tanner's, watch the Nebraska game. If you're coming down to Lincoln and you're driving back to Omaha, uh, stop on in to any of those Tanner locations. Catch the evening games as there'll be plenty of college football on. Not just Saturday, but Sunday and Monday as well. So uh, we've got an entire fun-filled weekend of college football. Tanner Sports Bar and Grill is your spot to go uh, watch all the games. But you, you just heard from Scott Frost and Khalil Davis talking about Cam Jurgens and, and just – kind of what he has done on that offensive line. And I'll be honest, that was maybe, Robin, one of the shockers of fall camp when Scott Frost not only said Cam Jurgens is back, he's a game changer. And by the way, he's our starter. And I'm going to tell you that before I release the depth chart to everyone else. But this guy, by the way, is our starter. Yeah, it wasn't surprising that he's the starter. It's a matter that's happening already. Uh, And I think everybody knew that when Cam is healthy, he is by far their best option at center. And Scott Frost wouldn't have said the things that he's been saying essentially since Cam made the move from tight end to center 
uh, for no reason. And so, you know, it's just a matter of would Cam be able to, to get himself healthy enough uh, and into football shape and learn the system and all the responsibilities of a new position uh, quickly enough to put himself uh, as the number one. And uh, apparently he did. Um, and, you know, the, the rave reviews just do not stop with him, uh, whether it's Scott Frost saying that Troy Walters, you know, basically echoed what Scott Frost said uh, on Wednesday and saying that, that he's he's a game changer at the center position. Like he makes that entire offensive line and entire offense different when he's on the field. And so, um, you know, credit to him for the hard work he put in this offseason. And doing so, uh, you know, a little note that came out was, you know, he came into the fall camp, I think, 285 pounds, and he's only down to about 280. So he's doing all that rehab and all that practice without losing hardly any weight. So, um, you know, Cam, he's, he's a specimen in a lot of ways, and I think this is the latest example of, you know, being able to accomplish a lot in a short amount of time. Yeah, and I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm totally shocked that – you know this it's played out the way it has i, I think mean, i think a week ago all of us said there was no way he was going to play week yeah, one so I, I didn't think that that he'd be healthy enough to go or that you know even if he was healthy enough to go that maybe they would kind of ease him into things um you know against south alabama or or you know maybe even hold off in, in another week so um you know I, I was i was really surprised to see that but uh, i mean that's good news for nebraska i mean the the thing about i think some of the things that scott frost says um, you know, whether it's about Cameron Jurgens or, or Adrian Martinez, um, I mean, I, I believe him. You know, it's not, it's not this coach's or this coaching staff style to really, um, you know, pump guys up for no reason if it's not validated. So I, I think that, uh, uh, you know, I'm excited to see exactly how much of a game changer he is there. Well, and Cam Jurgens, nobody should doubt his athletic ability. I mean, Nate, you and I both have seen both Will and Cam for a number of years since they were 15, 16 year old kids. And Cam Jurgens is a better all around athlete. It's just, yeah, the, the, the durability questions and whatnot. Part of you feels, though, for Will, Will Farniak because oh, yeah. I think he felt like he had the keys to the, the Ferrari here for week one and they just got taken right out of his hands. But they have told Will, like, look, we're going to need you this season. Like, don't, don't think you're not needed. He's going to probably be called on at some moment. And they have walked back the hype on Cam a little bit. You know, Friday, that was Friday, Scott Frost. And he's kind of walked it back some since then because. I'll be, I'd be curious how the locker room responded to that. I mean, that, that was coming out pretty strong. Um, and, you know, you wonder how a guy like Will Farniak took that and other guys, because Will is a real well-liked guy. His brother's a captain. Um, so that that's a kind of a sensitive deal to, to come out and say the way Frost did on Friday. Yeah, for sure. And you could read between the lines a little bit. Uh, you know, some of those offensive linemen um, on Monday, Trent Hickson and, and uh, Matt Farniak in particular, you know, they were asked specifically about Jurgens and, uh, you know, they didn't go out of their way to pump up uh, <laughs> to pump up their center. In fact, you know, Trent Hickson kind of just declined to talk about it. And so, yeah, I think you can probably assume that, um, you know, some guys maybe didn't like the way that all went down uh, because Will Farniak was there every day and he put in the work and uh, put in the blood and sweat and all that stuff to, to put himself in position. Whereas Cam, you know, he was kind of limited and he didn't do all the reps and all that stuff. Uh, he uh, just kind of gets thrown into the, the number one spot. You know, that's I, I understand that to an extent, but here's the reality. If they come out and that offensive line is dominant and Cam Jurgens is what this coaching staff says that he is, those hard feelings are going to go away really quickly because in the end, talent, winning, and success changes everything. Yeah, it's it's all about the scoreboard, you know, and, and your performance on the football field. So, 
um, yeah, I have no no doubt that if there's any hard feelings or anything, that it'll be washed away by what Cam Jurgens puts on film and the way he performs in the games. But I think you have to tip your hat to you know what Will Farniak has done too. I mean, he's really uh, made major strides too. I mean, he's come a long way. When he got here uh, as an early enrollee, I mean, he he was. Just a small little, you know, the little brother. Uh, you know, I think Greg Austin used to just refer to him as the little little Farniak, you know. And and now he's, I mean, he's a legitimate player. And, and uh, you're right, Sean. I mean, they're definitely going to have to use him throughout this season. So he, he's going to play. There's no doubt about that. And I'm interested, too, about other guys like Bryce Benhart. You know, if he goes past that four-game mark and – it's a really difficult thing for the coaches because I think there are so many guys on that fence that you don't know the answer to until situations come in front of you. Yeah, and with Ben Hart, I think physically we all know he's ready. I mean, he's built like a monster as a true freshman. Uh, the issue is, you know, there's that, that catching up, you know, mentally and even technique-wise that separates really good high school players from really good college players. And um, it's going to be an adjustment no matter how big and strong he is. And how quickly he's able to develop will ultimately decide what his redshirt status is. But what's interesting is, you know, Nebraska's in a tough spot because ideally I think they'd love to redshirt him, especially with two juniors at your tackle spots that are going to be back next year. You'd like to preserve the a year of eligibility for your next up. All five uh, starters return next exactly. year. Exactly. So uh, being able to allow him to play while also keeping that year I think is important. But at the same time, their depth at tackle is a real concern right now. And if any of, you know, whether it's Farniak or Hymas or whatever is to miss any significant time, um, you know, Ben Hart's the next guy up and they're not going to have a choice of redshirting him or not. If that's, if that's the situation. So, um, you know, I, I think this is going to be literally a, a week at a time situation with him in particular, uh, where hopefully they can try to get by without burning that redshirt, but also keeping him available if worst case scenario p- comes up. Yeah. They've had to get him ready to play, uh, basically since the moment he got on campus. I don't think there's any question about that, especially, you know, given his just supreme talent. I mean, he, he's, he's a very rare, rare player uh, just in terms of his size and his athletic ability um, but we know for sure he'll play in at least four games um, but yeah I think ideally you would you'd like to preserve that shirt and there's a number of guys particularly on offense at the receiver position that might fall in that four game category as well um, it will be interesting just to kind of see how that balances out because there are a lot of different receivers and guys like Ben Hart maybe Ethan Piper Luke McCaffrey at quarterback um, that are all kind of on that fence and a lot of it will just depend on how the season goes all right when we come back we're going to shift our discussion over to the defensive storylines that jump out here for Nebraska and one of the more intriguing ones uh, will be uh, a pair of brothers and there's two pairs of brothers but one of those pairs of brothers will be making their first ever career start together at Nebraska I'll tell you more about that next here you're listening to the Husker online show this is Husker online your authority on Nebraska athletics It'll be a little special in college because I really never got to start with Khalil, but but whenever he's on the field with me, you know, I don't even think about that. We're just playing ball, but it'll definitely be just kind of a a moment out there just starting out the game together. Uh, It'll be awesome. Um, It's even more awesome to know that I uh, I earned it and, you know, the coaches felt um, like this was the, you know, the best decision or uh, group, but it doesn't really matter. Um, You know, we're all playing, but... You know, to start my first game, it's, it's really awesome. Um, you know, it took five years, but, you know, I'm a team guy. You know, wherever they can put me, wherever I can help, that's, that's where I'm going to be. And, you know, I'm just ready to play, play with my brothers. 
And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate, Nate Klaus. That was twin brothers Carlos and Khalil Davis as Saturday will mark the first time ever in their five-year Husker careers that they will start a game together, which is hard to believe because Khalil Davis actually has never started a game at Nebraska, despite the fact he was voted the defensive lineman of the year. Um, he had he was a backup last year behind both Ben Stilley and Freedom Akamaladun, so um, they officially named him the outright starter. There's not even an or with Khalil and Stilly this year. Yeah, it was kind of surprising a little bit. Which they did give Ben Stilly a black shirt, so um, they're, they're still technically kind of both starters. But I don't know, Nate. I mean, you've known the Davis twins and, and their story as long as anybody. Just having them start a game together, I mean, is that going to kind of give them another just, I mean, I feel like they thrive together when they're on the field at, at the same time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think they do definitely feed off of each other. Um, you know, going back to watching them in high school, uh, they, they were definitely uh, always in sync and, and playing off one another in, in high school and, and a force to be reckoned with there at Blue Springs High School, um, you know, as, as you can imagine. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see them on the field at the same time. And, um, you know, the interesting thing about it is defensive line coach Tony Tuioti basically said, you know, there's when, when he looks at his defensive line, he's got six guys uh, that are all basically starters in his mind. So the depth chart is, you know, can kind of be a little misleading uh, because all six of those guys are going to play an awful lot. Uh, they're all number ones in his mind. Yeah, that's why, you know, it's cool that he's able to get that start. But you mentioned the or, no or with Stilly. I don't I think that's just probably maybe an oversight. Like he is he, a black shirt. He's going to play a ton. They're going to rotate a ton. And like Nate said, they got six guys that they consider starters at this point. And um, you could probably even say there's a couple guys that are working their way into that mix uh, for playing time as well. So they're in a very good spot on the defensive line, but certainly a cool deal for the Davis family to get those guys to, to start a game for the first time in five years. And I'll be really intrigued when the snap count numbers come out um, following the game just to kind of get a better idea of, of the rotation. I mean, I could see it being like two series on, two series off type of thing, but I think that top six, the Davis brothers, the Daniel brothers, Ben Stilley and DeAndre Thomas, it's going to be – a fairly equal effort, whether it's 30 to 35 snaps a piece for, for those guys. And then you might get a Ty Robinson, you might get a Jakeem Green, a Casey Rogers that kind of rotates into that game later mm -hmm. on. Yeah, that's the thing that's going to be really interesting is that, that next wave, how do they factor in? Because I, I agree, I think it's going to be really even with that top six group. Um, you know, especially with, you know, the, the brothers. And so, and they also take into account all those guys can play multiple positions. And so depending on situation, uh, you know, they might still move guys around with the same grouping. I mean, they could move one of the Davises inside or, or whatever it may be. And then the Jakeem Green factor, I think, is probably as interesting as anything. I mean, that, that guy, uh, he came in with a lot of hype for, for good reason. And so how long is it going to take him to continue to climb his way up that depth chart and maybe supplant the guy for a starting job when all said and done? Yeah, and I don't think he's too far off. He's, he's not there yet uh, by any means, but um, he's making up a lot of ground. I know they've got a, a plan in place and, and where he's been not only obviously been practicing, but he's been getting extra work in with one of the defensive line GAs and um, you know doing all sorts of extra work uh, before school started to, to kind of close that gap as much as possible, and especially with, with Duvall and, and getting that his conditioning um, you know right, because that was probably the, one of the bigger things holding him back. But um, and, and what's interesting too is, I mean, I think we're going to see some even fronts you know, obviously they're going to 
the three four is is their base, but I think we're going to see you know some some four two looks. five, yeah, some some four three wh- whatever, and and a lot of those guys outside of the Daniels brothers, um, you know, Tuioti was talking about you know a lot of those players, he's got no problem sliding them in and, and playing defensive tackle, or yeah. they can play in. Carlos Davis started at defensive yeah. tackle, exactly. So um, the the flexibility there is is really pretty rare. Yeah, they still almost have better parts to be a four-man front than a three-man front. They, they've improved. I mean, this is the best three-man front personnel Nebraska's had on the defensive line since they've gone to the three-man front. Um, but I still believe like the Davis twins in a 4-3 would be much better uh, because they fit that style. But having Darian Daniels now and Damian Daniels, they at least have two legitimate nose tackles for a 3-4. Yeah, I mean, they got depth aplenty up front. And you pair that with the issues um, with the linebacker depth, particularly inside, it makes a lot of sense to do more four-man fronts. Play to your strengths. I mean, you get those guys on the field, save some wear and tear on Colin Miller, Will Honus, Muhammad Barry, uh, and, you know, I mean, maybe just adapt to, to your situation a little bit because um, the drop-off after those top three at inside linebackers probably as big of a concern as there is on the defense, in my opinion. I mean, they just they don't have anybody. I mean, they got young, unproven. Joey Johnson's your fourth right yeah, now. Yeah, and so – And he's been hurt for most of camp. Exactly. And so they're in a real tough spot that – you know, you got to keep those guys fresh. You know, you need all three of those guys to make it through a full season. And so uh, I think that, you know, mixing up some looks a little bit could help uh, take down the snap counts while also giving that depth on the defensive line more opportunities. Yeah, that's probably one of the bigger things or bigger questions I have um, on defense is just how often are they going to switch between a, an odd and even front, um, you know, because they've been talking about it. And, and I know that's been one thing they've they've been telling recruits, too, is, is that they're going to be pretty multiple up front with with their alignments? So um, you know, it's something that I'm I'm definitely going to look for. And um, but also, you know, how much are they going to give away? You know, how much are they really going to put on film for Colorado? Uh, yeah, for Colorado. You know, how much you know they're going to switch back and forth? So um, it's it's kind of a it's an interesting uh, dynamic there, especially with Colorado having a new staff with Mel Tucker and and they're just trying to get things figured out. I mean, the last thing you want to do is give them any kind of early prep stuff that could help them. Um, where you know a new staff coming in that hasn't worked together. I mean, you throw some new stuff out like I mean that could really get them on their heels. Yeah, and especially with what South Alabama. I mean, there's going to be some similarities to what Nebraska saw last year uh, with Troy because I think their OC was a staffer at Troy last year, uh, and so I mean, you know, they're they're gonna. Nebraska's probably going to be a nickel and dime a lot uh, just with the, the formations they're going to run and they're going to play a lot of up tempo. So. A lot of subs, a lot of, you know, uh, pass defensive-oriented for formations uh, to hopefully save some of the wear on that linebacker crew. Yeah, that outside linebacker position I'll be watching closely just to see if the production is there as far as tackles for loss, pass rush, quarterback hurries, all of that stuff. Alex Davis, I mean, they've put so much hype on this guy. What will he look like? Can JoJo Doman be a true linebacker? Caleb Tanner. Caleb Tanner, yeah. the gains he's made. The outright number one. And why has Tyron Ferguson dropped to a number mm-hmm. two, a co-number two that for that matter, with Garrett Nelson? So there's a lot of things I'll be curious about outside linebacker as well. Yeah, I'm, you know, Alex Davis, I want to see what the hype's all about because we've been waiting a long time for Alex to, to be that guy. You know, he's he's looked the part for a long time, but uh, the results on the field have not been there. So he's definitely someone to watch. But Caleb Tanner is definitely about as intriguing as it gets. I mean, this this is a guy that kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit. But remember, he was thrown into the fire right away last year as a true freshman. So this staff has had high expectations 
uh, basically since he's arrived. And now he's bigger, stronger, faster than he was a year ago. And he won the job outright over a more seasoned guy like Tyron Ferguson, um, who got a lot of you know praise in his own right. So can Caleb Tanner and Alex Davis, some combo of that, provide the pass rush off the edge that has lacked for so many years in this defense? Yeah, I think people forget that Caleb Tanner was a Georgia commit at, at one point in time coming out of high school. Um, and then last year, playing as a true freshman, he was barely over 200 pounds out there playing. And so, um, you know, one thing that DeWitt did mention is that Doman and Ferguson uh, very well could have been black shirts. And, and you know, the, that uh, depth chart of outside linebacker is going to vary week to week depending on what type of, uh, you know, personnel they're going to be facing that week. All right, when we come back, we're going to bring Husker online intern Mike Wheeler into the show as we'll take your questions here heading into South Alabama in the mailbag. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We have a lot of momentum right now. We have a lot of uh, belief. We have a lot of uh, buy-in. It's emotional. It's so Everything is so high right now. And if we come out there, when we come out there, and we do what we're supposed to do, then you're going to see everyone be- actually believe believe in the process, you know. First is, you know, you might say, okay, uh, buy-in day-to-day, I mean, day-by-day and stuff like that. But when it results in a W, then people don't doubt it no more. You know, there's no doubt in what we need to do. It's not even that little voice in your ear. Uh, that little voice in your mind that tells you, oh, you know, maybe not, you know. But when you back it up with a W and then you back it up with another W, that's what matters. So we have to win this game. We have to play our best football this game. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus. Pleased to bring in Husker Online intern Mike Wheeler, as you just heard from Mohammed Barry on why getting off to a good start this season is important. But now it's time for the mailbag. Mike, we won't waste any time. What do you have to start us out with this week? All right, so uh, Trent Hickson was just recently uh, offered a scholarship here. Uh, how many more walk-ons, and who are we expected to uh, be rewarded scholarships? They have two, and Nebraska is not in a hurry to just rush to those decisions. Um, they are, I think, going to kind of let some things play out on the field um, before they kind of make a definitive announcement. But I would think you have uh, Isaac Armstrong in contention for one of those maybe Chase Urbach the long snapper um, obviously Wyatt Mazur who got one last August is trying to get one here this August again I don't know am I missing anyone Nate or Robin mm, Joey Johnson Joey Johnson as yeah. a two deeper but he could be a guy like they what they do is they'll put guys on what's called a December to August scholarship so second semester in summer they don't advertise it or publicize it because it just confuses people and people freak out. You're giving up spots in the recruiting class for this? And it's it's not that. Yeah. I've been told people like when I do the emotional <laughs> pan, panic fan voice. Um, but they do, they do a lot of that. So if there's like 10 or 12 guys that graduate and move on, 10 or 12 walk-ons will get a December to August scholarship, which that's a pretty dang good deal. Yeah, I would assume Isaac Armstrong is a no-brainer. I mean, he's the starting punter going into week one. What if he struggles, though, and price step that's is really well? That's the thing. Well. They left that open. Yeah. Like, they're going <clears> to <throat> evaluate it. And, I mean, there's a, still a chance that uh, price step could still come in and, you know, play a little bit. Uh, so, you know, I think that he's probably the, the only Isaiah thing Stalbert? Close, yeah. yeah, Stalbert's in the two deep. He's gotten He's been getting some talk. But I just wonder about those those walk-on safeties. You know, they're up there at the two deep in the depth chart. But for how long? Yeah. I mean, Noah Pola Gates is here for a reason, and maybe it's just a matter of time. 
yeah, I, I, you're you're most likely correct <laughs> there. Um, not to take anything away from what Isaiah Stalbert has done, but uh, the interesting thing about it is even with uh, with Trent Hickson, Greg Austin said he wasn't sure if he was immediately on or if that was a December to August deal. Um, so. You know, it's I, immediate. Okay, and Scott Frost announced Friday that he's on for the rest of his career. Okay, so yeah. he, he's got he's got a full three year boat now. Nice. Yeah, good for him. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would think Armstrong, but um, you know, it's Urbach is a. I mean, safe kind of a coin flip with with a couple other guys. All right, what do you got next, Mike? All right, so uh, who are your under the radar guys, both on offense and defense, that the fans should look out for that they may not know about? I'll try to just take one because if I take like seven, everyone's gonna get mad at me because I'll take all of your guys's. But I use that to try to think of some names too. So I was trying to <laughs> come up with my thoughts here. But under the radar, I kind of think Wyatt Mazur will will get some opportunities and at least show you why he's been a serviceable five year player in this program. And, you know, could help this team in just small roles. Not big roles, but small roles. You know, with the, the development with, like, Andre Hunt and then the questions, you know, surrounding Maurice Washington, uh, I would assume that Miles Jones is going to have an opportunity to play a lot in a couple different spots. I mean, he could play receiver. He could play running back. They can utilize him in a lot of different ways, similar to that Wandell Robinson mold that, you know, I think just by nature of that versatility, he's going to have a lot of uh, opportunity to see the field come game day. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think I mentioned Miles Jones in our chat uh, last Tuesday. I think Ramir Johnson could be one of those guys as well. Uh, I think he's really impressed this fall camp and, and is going to be you know a freshman that, that definitely gets, uh, gets a number of, of looks. On defense, even though he's a black shirt, I, I think he's not a guy that, that people talk about a whole lot. It's Colin Miller. I think, I think he's somebody that, that could definitely you know turn some heads uh, be, just because at the level that he's playing at supposedly um, is, has been uh, phenomenal throughout fall camp. We're taking your questions in the mailbag with Husker Online intern Mike Wheeler. All right, so I'm going to tweak this question a little bit, and I think there's only three real answers that you guys can pick from here. But uh, what home game are you guys looking forward to the most? Uh, I mean, there, there's three big ones. Obviously, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Iowa. But I think Ohio State is the must for me just because if Nebraska is 4-0, the program will be on a home stage that they haven't been on arguably in a long time. I mean, you can say 07 USC. I mean, you, you can look back at maybe some of those Pelini home games that were big in the early years of Pelini, but college game day could be back here for the first time since 07 in Lincoln. And, you know, that, that that's saying something when you look at the gap from 07 to 2019. Yeah, I think it's Ohio State without really much question uh, for all those reasons above. But also, uh, that night before is the Husker Hoops Ooh, opening night. That's your night, baby. It's not only the unofficial debut uh, in Lincoln of Fred Hoiberg and his new team, but also Rick Ross Rick is Ross. coming to Pinnacle Bank Arena to turn it up. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think Ohio State is, is kind of the no-brainer. Um, if I were going to pick another one, I, I would say Iowa uh, because, mm. you know, I, I think – It's a rivalry now. Yeah, it's a rivalry now, um, and, and they've, they've definitely had their way with Nebraska. Plus, I think at the end of the year, you know, that's more than likely going to be a game that you have to win. And so I, I think – That could be a first shot to Indy. Yeah, that, there could be an awful lot riding on that game. Whereas if you did lose against Ohio State, that doesn't kill your season. But I, I think that Iowa game could very well uh, make be a make or 
break type of deal. And that's a 130 kick. I love that kick time. Yeah. I mean, that's an old school, traditional one. I mean, you don't see it. We haven't had a 130 yeah, kick. Yeah, when was the last time that happened? BTN's going to blow that day out and yep. center it around that game. All right, Mike, we got time for about two more. What do you have? All right, so this will be the last week that I can ask this, uh, but uh, Vegas has the over-under for wins at eight and a half. What are you guys taking? Over. I got at least nine. Ooh, at yeah. least nine. At well, least nine. I, I'm at nine. My baseline right now, my today prediction, I feel comfortable saying nine and three. Yeah, I've I've had a bit too much Kool Aid, so I'll say over, and I think nine. I think they go nine. Has anyone? Have you heard anybody say ten and two? Like I, I feel like everyone's been like. I'm going to be overly optimistic, but not too nuts and say nine and three. But I've heard nobody say they're going to go 11 and one or 10 and two. But mm-hmm. the Vegas odds today have Nebraska favored in 11 out of 12 games. There are people on the Husker Online message board that have been guaranteeing 10 wins for several weeks now, yeah. if not longer. So <laughs> some of those people guaranteed for every staff. There are people like that. But yeah, I think modestly eight to nine is realistic. And that's why the line is what it is. But I'm going to say nine. Yeah, I'm going to, I'll, I'll take the over there. I, I kind of feel like, I feel like seven is is the floor and, and ten is probably the ceiling here. But I, I do think that the way things are trending and the way you know everything that we've been able to to hear and see and whatnot out of fall camp, I, I feel pretty confident that they should be able to get to nine. All right, final question, Mike Wheeler. What do you have? All right, so uh, we'll get back to some story time here. Maybe uh, so since the off season is just about over now, what was the longest off season in your memory, and maybe any stories you can share? All right, guys, I'm going to say kind of a, a random one, but I think last year, uh, not this off season, but the year before, just because Scott Frost was coming back to Lincoln, Nebraska didn't go to a bowl game, and there was just so much anticipation and buildup, and then you had the season opener canceled uh, by lightning. Um, so last season to me was about as long as it gets because of all those circumstances. Right. That's a good one. So for me, it's probably got to be going into year two of Mike Riley in 2016 when uh, obviously the Sam Fultz tragedy happened and then Teak Williams uh, gets busted for DUI and they had all this recruiting drama and it just seemed like one thing after another uh, was f- falling against Nebraska and they, they didn't start the year uh, undefeated, I think, going into Wisconsin, but then uh, it quickly fell apart into total disaster after that. I will go – I'll go with the the – Basically, the the hiatus or kind of the the wait uh, following the the firing of Riley and the hiring of Frost. I mean, just the anticipation and everything, all the hype surrounding last season, uh, you know, and, and then obviously the, the first six games of, of last year that oh. was just kind of added to the long off season a little bit there. But um, yeah, out of out of recent memory, I'd, I'd probably go with that one. All right, Mike, thanks again here for the mailbag. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, when we come back. We're going to close the show with some recruiting talk with Nate. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Right now, that's still to be determined. Uh, we're still determining that um, and, you know, uh, juggling some things around our heads as it relates to the whole group and, and what that looks like for Bryce. Um, certainly, he's at least a four-game guy right now. And depending on what happens in this game, depending on what happens these next few weeks um, we'll have to make those decisions but right now we're, you know he's in a too deep and you know that's where we intend to keep him and then hopefully we can go from there final segment here of the Husker Online Show Sean Callahan Nate Klaus that was offensive line coach Greg Austin addressing maybe the potential status of Bryce Benhart playing as a true freshman and Nate I think there are a lot of guys in that boat outside of Wandell Robinson when you look at true freshmen, maybe Ramir Johnson, 
Who else do you think is for sure going to play more than four games? Boy, for sure going to play more than four. I mean, I, I think right now, I mean, Wandale for sure. I mean, that's that goes without I saying. I think Ramirez probably and Ramir, pretty yeah, close to I, I think, being a slam dunk. Yeah, I think Ramirez is right there. Um, you know, after that, you know, I think it's going to be a, a week by week. You know, Darian Chase on the depth chart. Yeah, does Darian that mean Chase is, is he? Is yeah. that mean he's more than four? They're going to rotate bodies through, and kind of have that like a cycling spot with those freshmen. That in the secondary, I can see the same thing going on with Quentin Newsom. Yep. Yeah, I think Quentin Newsom will probably play um, more than four. Um, and and the, I think the bottom line for a lot of these freshmen is going to be how involved are they on special teams? And do they want to use the year on just special teams? Well, yeah, and, and uh, Javon DeWitt kind of broke it down a little bit last week uh, where he said, you know, if, if you're a freshman and you're on all the special teams units and you're getting 25 to 30 snaps a game, um, you know, plus maybe, you know, getting some snaps on offense or defense, then it, it's kind of a no-brainer. You, you are bringing enough to the table. It, it, you know, you're playing enough to kind of justify burning your red shirt. But if you're only on a couple special teams and you're not really seeing time on offense or defense, um, then it's probably going to be a deal where they, they cycle you through and, and get you into four games and, and kind of see what you can do. And then, um, you know, after you've played those four, kind of put you back on the shelf a little bit. So uh, for me, I think a lot of those guys, it's, it's going to come down to, you know, just how involved are they on special teams and are they in the mix at all to see time on offense or defense? And the direction of the season. Yeah. Injuries, the way the year's going. I mean, if it's about winning the West and you have to play a guy, you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah, I think there's a lot of benefits if you can keep some of these guys for an additional four years after 2019. Absolutely. I think, well, you look at the – shoot, just look at the depth chart right now. I mean, um, well over half that depth chart is comprised of freshmen and sophomores. I mean, it's a, this is a young team. You're only losing – I think I, I, I broke it down. There's, there's 13 seniors listed on the depth chart on offense and defense. And so, and, and there's, um, you know, I think 30 or so uh, that, are, that are freshmen and sophomores. And so, I mean, this is a young team. And, and I think if you can, can kind of continue to, you know, to hold on to some of those guys' eligibility, um, you know, you're, you're going to be tracking in the right direction there going forward. All right, let's talk recruiting weekend, Nate. There won't be any official visitors in Lincoln. Not a shocker. It is an 11 a.m. A lot of high school kids either played their first game last week. Many will be playing their first game this week on Friday night here. Um, what is your thoughts on the weekend? I know about 30 unofficial visitors are expected to be in Lincoln. Yeah, I still think it's going to be a pretty good group of unofficial visitors. And you're going to get, you know, you, know, you look at the commitment list and, and there's a number of guys within the 500-mile radius uh, that are on that list. And those commits are going to be able to, to make it in for the game. Um, you know, and, and there's going to be a, a handful of other, you know, bigger targets for both the 2020 and, and 2021 uh, class that, that make their way to Lincoln. But, um, you know, so I, I think it'll still be a, a decent weekend. But, yeah, that 11 a.m. kick just – it just makes it so hard, even though it's a holiday weekend. Um, if you're playing a game on Friday night, it's just it's nearly impossible uh, to to get into Lincoln for an 11 a.m. game if you have to get on a plane. And and it's it's just it's so so hard. And we've had this discussion a lot, Nate, on off the air for years. If you're only going to get one swing at a guy, you're not going to bring him in for an 11 a.m. game like this with three really big Big Ten home games: yep. Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Iowa. And then even other opportunities like Northwestern, Northern Illinois, we know is a night game. 
there are going to be a lot of opportunities, especially with potential facility announcements looming and maybe college game day in Lincoln. Um, you know, you've got the concert before the basketball game going on before Ohio. I mean, there's a yep. lot of things that make other weekends much more attractive than Saturday. And that's exactly what we've been seeing. You know, Nebraska is basically doubling down on, on the Northern Illinois game and especially the Ohio State game right now. I mean, that seems to be the game where – Every recruit that I talk to, uh, they're either they're either taking their official visit for that game or they're trying to find their way to Lincoln uh, for that night. Well, assuming it'll be a night game, um, you know, Nebraska is hoping it'll be a night game with the way that the that recruiting weekend is going to be uh, shaping up. But uh, yeah, so yeah, it it, it kind of stinks that that they're unable to to get guys in for their home opener. But at the same time, there's going to be better opportunities to impress guys and, and their families. Um, you know, at some games later on in the season. Now, you'll be watching high school football closely here uh, over the weekend. You'll get a chance to see on Thursday this week a lot of guys play. Um, it's a wide-open year, though. When you look at around the state, for Class A particularly, I mean, I, I look at seven, eight teams right now that think they have a chance to win the thing, and, and, it, and, and it's not that far off from that right now. No, it really isn't. I mean, this is probably about as wide open of a year for Class A as I can remember in quite some time. Um, you know, and obviously you, you, you look at Burke, uh, they're still bringing back, you know, some, a, a good team, some playmakers, obviously Xavier Watts. Um, you know, Bell West is, is a high-powered uh, team. You know, the, you can never count those guys out, especially with guys like Xavier. Um, They're loaded. Uh, or, yeah. Bellevue West consensus number one team right now in the state in yep. all, all the major polls. Yep. And uh, But, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think there's probably seven or eight different teams that, that are going to have a shot. Um, you know, even – uh, like a, a Lincoln Lincoln Southeast is is maybe you know maybe a little bit of an underdog right now or, or a dark horse um, Elkhorn South and Elkhorn, West Side Elkhorn South West Side um, you know Creighton Prep added a Brian Munson former Division One defensive coordinator to be their D coordinator so there will be their defense will be intriguing to watch here and their opener I think they open up with uh, they open up with Omaha North. Uh, I think they might, yeah. So, I mean, there's there's some intriguing things to watch across the state with Class A. Now, Class B, I mean, it seems like Scud in the field right now. Yeah. I mean, they're 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 set in this new structure of Class B. Scud is just set up to 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 win this thing more often than not, just because all of the suburban Omaha teams are now in Class A, other than Omaha Scud. Yeah, and so and then you had, of course, you you know you lose some class B stalwarts like uh, like Garrett Snodgrass and um, you know at York and Garrett Nelson out at, at Scott's, Scott's Bluff will be good still this but they year. will still be good McCook yeah. will be good still this yep. year yep so I mean those are those are two contenders and in, in class B outside of Scott but yeah it's going to be hard to to beat the Skyhawks this this year so um, yeah, Class B not nearly as wide open as, as Class A. Now, you look at some of these high-profile guys. How many will be in Lincoln? Do you know? I mean, Teddy Prohaska, Avante Dickerson. I mean, some of the guys. AJ that, Rollins. Will they will they be at this opener right now? Do you know? Yeah, yeah. So all, pretty much all those all those guys are, are going to be in Lincoln uh, for the home opener. At least that's that's their plan as of now. Obviously, things always kind of change or can change. Um, you know, circumstance, different circumstances kind of come up, but uh, yeah, a lot of the players, especially the the in-state guys that, that they have offered already, uh, will be in for the game. Well, lots to keep track of here. Make sure you're logged on to HuskerOnline.com as we'll have everything leading up to Saturday's 11 a.m. game uh, here with South Alabama, and then obviously all the post-game coverage with reaction thoughts and recruiting coverage. So check us out on HuskerOnline.com. 
Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.